I remember it like yesterday, discovering my own lump. It was very tiny, like a little grain of sand or something. And I remember the first time I felt it, I immediately thought, oh God, is this breast cancer? I know the shock and pain of a breast cancer diagnosis, of living through what feels like a perpetual hell. But I also know what it's like to come out on the other side. I'm here as a walking miracle. I'm a fighter, a warrior, and a victor. For anyone going through or has gone through breast cancer, know someone battling it. For our heavenly soldiers and for those researchers dedicated to finding a cure, this episode is for y'all. We at When Magic Happens commend your fight and are honored to uplift Breast Cancer Awareness Month. From WBEZ's Chicago, this is When Magic Happens. I'm Cheryl Jackson, here with the lovely Jennifer Shea Love Long. Hey. And the brilliant Taylor Coward. Hello. Hello, hello. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and today we're observing this important time with a candid conversation around what it's like to have your first mammogram, our personal stories, and hope throughout breast cancer and beyond. All that and so much more after the break. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. My ex-husband had worked for the American Cancer Society and, you know, really brought me all the literature on how to do self-breast exams. So I was accustomed to doing these, you know, in the shower. It's really the best time. You know, you're in there every day, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right. We'll soap. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the best time to do it. So I was in accustomed to doing, and that's how I, when I discovered my, my lump. And so I went, I did like I was supposed to do, and I went to the doctor, and they did the exam, and, you know, they felt, and they were like, well, we don't see it. So I would go back. They were like, let's just monitor it. So I went back and back and back, and they kept saying, we don't see anything. They sent me to, to get, you know, uh, ultrasound um, in addition to the mammogram. And the center where I went um, said they didn't see anything, and they came out, and they were like, you see anything. So... Finally, um, I sort of dropped it, and but thankfully, I had my annual exam, and it was my primary care physician in doing a breast exam of me lying down. I think that was the problem. It was sliding. It was being obscured, and um, he did it. He, he said, CJ, um, I feel something. I need for you to go immediately to see a doctor. So I went. Still kind of in denial because I had a bunch of people that told me I didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. I go in, I sit down, and she said, why did you wait so long? And my stomach just, my heart sank to my stomach. And, and when she told me that it's cancer, I just had an out-of-body experience, like my world sort of suspended, and I, her mouth was moving, you know, like those movies mm-hmm. when the people talk, but you're not really listening. And um, oddly enough, I thought about 
what I wanted to do in life that I didn't do. Mm. And that was just to live, to do the things that I really deep down wanted to do. So, um, so that began my breast cancer journey. And, um, and thankfully, I was still early stage, although I was super early when I first discovered my own lump. Mm-hmm. Six months later, I waited. Okay. And uh, it brought little friends, and so um, I had to end up having a, a mastectomy because of that. Uh, but it was early, mm-hmm. and um, and this was a um, a beatable, treatable um, cancer. That being said, cancer of any size, scale, or stage is rough, um, and it's a process. Not just on your body; it's rough on your body. Um, the meds, all of it, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally, it mm-hmm. can be a tough journey. So um, getting the information, it's all in prevention, you know, especially for black women. Um, we're, we don't get cancer at a higher rate than any other group. We're just dying at a higher rate because we're not, you know, uh, engaged in early detection and getting on top of it. And so, um, so I'm excited about this episode where we get to arm women, not only with information, but arm them with confidence, confidence to um, take care of yourself, practice radical self-care. And um, so let's get into it. So, okay, first question. Have you ever had your boobs smashed? That's a mammogram. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not by a machine yet, but by the loving hands of my gynecologist when I get my well woman exam every year. Awesome. She does she gets in the pits, she gets the boob. And so I think at my age, I think that's enough for now, but I know around like forty, I believe, is when I start to get mammograms. Do you do self breast? Yeah. Okay. Toward the end of the month. Just right. kinda feel around, make sure I know what's going on there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing where your cycles are because, you know, you mm-hmm. get a lot of stuff going on in your mm-hmm. body, you know, hormones. So um, good. That's good. That's that is really good. great. What about you, Jennifer? I, I have had I've had a lot of mammograms. Well, you know, we ain't going to talk about my age, but I've had a few. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple. <laughs> Just a couple. Um, but, yeah, I, I've had a number. In fact, I had one recently and I thought maybe I felt kind of like a lump. Now, there, I also learned about breast tissue. Mm-hmm. And I have dense breasts, right? So um, what that means is that sometimes my, my tissue is so dense that, you know, they may or may not be able to detect it in, you know, just, just one way, right? So recently I had a mammogram and... You know, it is it is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and each time I go in there, I'm like, okay, who who built this machine? It okay? was a man. It, must have it been was a man. man. She told me it was a woman. What? Yeah, I'm like, yo, for real, who is she? <laughs> like, <laughs> where's she at? Oh, where's she at? What happens when you get there? Like, what is the process? They have you, you know, obviously take all of your clothing off from the top up. Mm-hmm. You wear this little robe. You are basically placed in front of this machine mm-hmm. that it looks like a like a book, 
you know, like almost like the shape of a book Mm -hmm. with a sort of top and a bottom. They take one breast, they position it inside of this book, if you will. Masher. Yeah, masher. We'll call it the masher. (laughs) And they position it in such a way to make sure that they're looking at certain part of your tissue, right? Mm -hmm. They also put this little dot on the tip of your nipple so that it can dictate where, where, where they are looking at the breast, right? Mm. So they smash it down. She says, don't hold your breath. And I'm like, yo, I've been holding it. (laughs) (laughs) But then they do tell you to hold your breath. And then they tell you to hold your breath. And I'm like, well, I can't breathe. So anyway, they, they mash it down and they, you hold your breath and it's maybe like, you know, four or five seconds Mm. and then they um, release it. And then you do it with the next one. And sometimes if they can't get the image done correctly, Mm -hmm. they got to do it again, Mm -hmm. right? But in this. And they change you. So they want it horizontal, Mm -hmm. your breast, and then they want it vertical. So it's like kind of thinking of it slices, horizontal slices, Mm -hmm. and then vertical slices. What is that? I'm not a. I wasn't good in science. What was it? Microscope? In in science class, you know, you had the mic, you look through the microscope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like a giant microscope, you know, in the microscope you put something on the between the glass mm-hmm. and oh, then yeah. you zero in. Yeah. You're putting your breast between glass plates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they then crank the thing on the side that smashes. Mashes it down. And that's what women don't like. Yeah. A lot of cranking it feel good. in female It care. does not yeah. feel, it feel good. good. But you know but what doesn't feel good? What? Cancer. No, so come on, y'all. Let's just put up with no, a little. No, I agree. Right? <laughs> I agree. About how long is the whole process? It seems well, not too long. It's not that long. I'd say it's like five minutes. Okay. But what I will say, and this is what happened from this particular mammogram, is that, you know, they detected something, mm-hmm. right? And so they had me come back. I had to do a different position, which was not the normal position. So normally it's like the horizontal and the vertical, and then they had me do this whole other thing, mm-hmm. right? And they also had me do an ultrasound, which I recommend. Mm-hmm. Make them ask for the mammogram and an ultrasound so it can detect all the things. But it turned out to be a lymph node, which lymph nodes, you know, we get lymph nodes everywhere under our arms, you know, under our, uh, you know, all places. Mm-hmm. Especially around our cycles. Yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, you know, what that taught me was ask for all the things. Mm-hmm. Yes. All the things like I'd like to have the mammogram, but then I'd like you just to double check with the ultrasound just so y'all are certain, certain. I bet your anxiety was off the charts when they asked you to come back. Can you come back? We saw something. Yeah. When they said that, I was like, for what? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I was like, you know, I did have I have a friend who is an OBGYN. I had pointed this out to her because I, I do do the self-exams like every day because mm-hmm. I like touching my breasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a different reason. I can't wait but... till no, we I get don't. to our episode on sex. I really can't. I'm looking forward different to that. Reasons. I'm kidding. But no, no I'm not, not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> not really. We're making Taylor uncomfortable. Let's no, move I'm on. Not, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no, basically. You, you know, get your partner to get in on the fun, okay, <laughs> of Feeling your boobs. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. I started going down a dark route. They they, Googling. they need to be familiar. Why? So you were saying, you know, okay. it's good to get the ultrasound also, as well as the mammogram. And then that had me thinking about people that maybe don't have insurance. And oh, so yeah. I was Googling, like, out-of-pocket costs 
of mammograms, but I'm seeing that it could be like a hundred bucks. And that's just a quick Google, but I'm sure. But it can, thankfully, there right. are lots of organizations around that yeah. provide Good. free okay. screenings, yeah. mammograms, Good. and ultrasounds. Um, in Chicago, I, one of my friends who was we worked together. We both worked in government, and she went out and founded an organization really focused on black and brown women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called the Breast Cancer Awareness Initiative. They changed the name of it, but they get m- mobile units mm-hmm. going around into communities mm-hmm. to give free. Um, so there was a need. No, yeah. yes. So I, I'm glad to hear that people are working to meet that need yeah. because I guess that's in any conversation about struggles with health, there's always that barrier of access, affordability, sure insurance and private insurance is such a privilege to have because you know you're like oh every year I can go and get this thing done that I need done Mm -hmm. but I have bootleg insurance right now I beg your pardon my insurance is bootleg okay (laughs) okay translation her insurance is get out okay I even even said to the lady when I was going for the mammogram I'm like okay just tell me is this bootleg insurance? How do you she feel was about like, this? Bro, honey, you know. I know. And and she hit me on the whole insurance game too, mm-hmm. right? But that's that's a whole other conversation. That's another episode. That is another episode. <laughs> but I also to your point about just, you know, it to me it's an investment in my body. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like if I, I'm I'm just gonna have to I have to find out what it is. You right. know? But here's the thing is bigger than access and money and insurance. The biggest barrier is fear. Yeah. 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 It is. Because it's like you don't want to know. Not knowing is easier. People roll with, let me ignore it away. Right. Whether it's our finances, our health, but particularly um, around, you know, the C word, cancer. Right. Right. It's fearful. It's so, so interesting. I thought about this conversation today. My my, um, 11-year-old niece, Marissa. She texts me she, um, around 8 o'clock at night. She's like, I'm scared. And I was like, what are you scared about? She goes, I have to get all my immunization shots tomorrow, and it's going to be like a bunch of them, and I'm just scared. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I, yes, they I understand that. They do load you okay. up <laughs> right. mm-hmm. I couldn't say that, though. It's auntie, Okay. <laughs> So I said, I do understand you being afraid, being nervous is when I put it, try to crank down the word scared. I do understand you being nervous. But here's how fear works. Fear is really just a reaction to not knowing what to expect. Mm-hmm. It's not really the thing itself. And so I tried to tell her what to expect. And for the biggest barrier is I'm leading a uh, telehealth um, company, mm-hmm. people don't engage in their health. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is, it's fear, whether it's fear of, I don't trust the healthcare system, sure. or I'm afraid of, you know, the big, I don't want this diagnosis, so let me not go look for it. You know, you know in our community, mm-hmm. you're going to keep running to that doctor's office until you get some bad news. They, mm-hmm. they That is a thing, okay? A mm-hmm. real legit phrase, okay? So it's fear. So but it's, I think I want to help people understand it's, it's being fearful of not what to expect. So if this conversation and information can help you right-size and know what to expect, yeah. then it's not that bad. Right. One, one thing I did when I first felt my lump, 
I tried to go and 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 frame the expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, if it's cancer, I caught it early. It's yeah. gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. And that's largely most of the times the case. Yeah, um, we need to get in there and you know early detection prevention, whether it's cancer or other chronic diseases, is is key. And the conversation of like temporary discomfort over a long-term scary thing later mm-hmm. like yeah. a little pinch to get that immunization yes sure is not going to be as bad as pertussis right. or <laughs> rubella right or you know those polio. things but polio all that like all these things that really can you know tear you up mm-hmm. but just that little pinch at cbs or Lasco, and then you can just go home Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. When you get diagnosed with cancer, your immediate question is, how did this happen to me? What did Mm -hmm. I do? Mm -hmm. And my cancer doctor was like, don't even go down that path because it's so common that you can't really isolate it. However, mm-hmm. if you have a family history of breast cancer, if your aunties and your cousins or distant cousins, you, you want to get tested. You want to um, ask for, advocate for um, a mammogram and screenings at an earlier age. You want to, what I did was I went ahead and got genetic testing mm. for my nieces okay. to see if I was carrying the BRCA gene. We've all talk, heard them talk about that, Angela Jolie. Mm-hmm. They were really shaming. I haven't, I haven't heard of it. What okay. is it? It's a gene, um, a genetic disposition uh, to a certain form of breast cancer that can be aggressive. Mm. And um, it's, you know, sometimes found in um, if you have Jewish lineage you know my cousin um who's for the record i'm black just in case (laughs) so my cousin is she's black a black woman she's not jewish but you know our lineage is all over the place we don't really know um but so she she she, i i tested negative for BRCA, Mm. but she tested positive for BRCA. Mm. her father and my mother a sister and brother for her mother's side that I'm not related to. Oh. That's where the history of okay. cancer was for her. Interesting. I okay. had no family history of breast cancer in my family. Okay. So that's why I was asking what what yeah. what had happened? What yeah. did I do? Okay? Um So and, that's good two things yes. to think about is like know your, your family history, know your family history and this genetics. And where did you, you go to get like where did you go to do that? Like well, they, how did you they know to did do it that? automatically. They took my cancer and they sent it off to a lab and then the doctor also asked if I wanted to do genetic testing. So it was okay. an option for me cuz okay. my cancer came back it was um it was um estrogen driven. Mm. So I you know like well you don't really have to do we know what what your what was driving your cancer. Mm-hmm. Um it wasn't, you know, the BRCA, but you, you might want to do the testing, the mm-hmm. genetic testing for your nieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did um, to help them understand their history, mm-hmm. their health history, and they can make decisions. Um, Angela Jolie, sorry, one of the more famous people that um, 
took advantage of, found out she carried the gene. She was not diagnosed with active cancer, but she preemptively uh, had a double mastectomy Mm -hmm. to um, deal with it. So a lot of women, when they know they're carrying this gene, you can make a decision to try and, you know, be proactive about, you know, not actually getting cancer. And there was a lot of shaming for women who were doing this. Mm. Oh, you're just doing it to get a boob job, which mm-hmm. was absolutely insane. Exactly. Absolutely why, insane. Yeah. Okay. I probably shouldn't share this story on the heels of that one. But when I had a mastectomy, a single mastectomy on the left side, so they were so kind of disheartening when I opened the book and they showed me what the reconstructed looked like and they were like, get over it. You're not going to look the same. You, it's just not. So this is your new normal. So I decided to le- lean into not looking the same. Mm-hmm. So I just went ahead and got an upgrade. Okay. Okay. Pump it up. Okay. <laughs> Pump it up. Pump I sure did. I know that. The girls nice. are sitting up pretty. Okay. Um, but that was my way of dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, to lean into that. Um, but, yes, uh, that that was the criticism that – the stories that were coming down, these, these women just trying to get uh, free boob jobs. Like, I would gladly pay the little funky $5,000 that it takes to get a boob job versus using a cancer diagnosis sure. to get. I mean, yeah. that's insane. Right. Yeah. But right. that was the talk and right. the criticism. So I, I'm curious about two things. One, you said that yours was driven by estrogen. Mm-hmm. What did they mean by that? That um, it was um, a over... Um, a, a production of estrogen in my body that was feeding cancer cells. So we okay. all come with cancer cells, yeah. but they're quiet, they're dormant. Mm-hmm. And the key is, will they become active? Right. Mm-hmm. And so what drove my cancer was overproduction of estrogen. Which is why I think um, contraceptives have toward like the end of the cycle, mm-hmm. it'll be like, monthly breast exam time Mm. and that's when like this all started to get on my radar because I'm on birth control pills to control my period like how heavy it was how intense it was and so there is I guess a slight risk involved when you take hormonal birth control yes there is that is the common thing and there is a linkage between birth control pills but it's not what it used to be and it's not like and I think some people avoid it completely because yes. they think, oh, this is going to give yeah, me. But exactly. I, I think people that are producing a product have to tell you of any risk involved. Mm-hmm. And if there is some sort of linkage, they have to be like, hey, just keep a track of your breasts. But I know people that have told me, oh, my God, I can't believe you're taking a hormonal pill because you're going to get this and you're going to get yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's not accurate. And that's I, fear and misconception. And, yes. So anyone listening to this, please talk to your ob there's definitely a lot of misinformation out there around and that. fear, like you mentioned fear. earlier, because um, you don't want to have to deal with cancer if you don't have to. Sure. And I think people rack their minds trying to avoid foods. And, and like, I, I had a friend that was like, don't drink soy milk. Or Every like, day they come out with something. Something okay, new. Something new. And so, oh, well, see, see, I'm that person, though. <laughs> I mean, and I'm that person from my own experience. Right. You know, I'm that person because it's like, oh, I, I'm overproducing this thing. Mm-hmm. And actually, food is medicine in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you do or it to a reasonable be, degree, though. Well, y- well, 
I don't. Because you've dropped it a couple <laughs> I'm a little, times. I'm but a little it's irrational. You like them French fries now. I seen you yeah, dog like, out this French fries. Well, yeah, but, but like even that, like I am aware of certain kinds of oils, mm-hmm. you know, or like it, 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 like my kids hate me because it's like, yo, we, we're not eating that anymore. I don't say it to them that way. I just don't ever buy it. They want a dino <laughs> nugget, Jennifer. I know. I'm like, <laughs> buy that shit. Um, but anyway, I have become very sensitive to what I what I ingest. Mm-hmm. I like I I do pay a lot of attention mm-hmm. to it, and mm-hmm. will eliminate it. You know, Jennifer is getting to know things she doesn't want in her and in her children, and I think that that's a good thing. And I think um, my fear was like, oh, maybe people aren't getting checked when they need to be because of the barrier of when mammograms are covered based on your age. And so I bring that up to say maybe self-advocacy can be, hey, I know that I'm under the age where my insurance may cover a mammogram or preventative care in my state. I'm going to find a foundation that can take care of that for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. going out to seek it um, just for yourself, because it's, it's solely about yourself. And right. I think that all, I think we're all in different ways talking about just advocating for yourself despite insurance, despite people thinking you're just doing it for a boob job, right. despite because you think I'm just telling you what not to eat. But like, yeah. it's all preventative and it's all taking care of yourself and advocating for yourself. Right. I agree with that because I think a lot of times, you know your body better than anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, the other day my not daughter, a lot of time. You know your body better than anybody. Period. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like you definitely know your body. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so even if like people like doctors might say to me, "Oh, well, this isn't presenting this way," I'm like, "Okay, but I want you to check it anyway because what mm-hmm. I'm saying is, is for my body." I know that this is unusual. Right? And Cheryl being persistent with, right, with the right. grain of salt. And right. she went, to, it sounds like you went to multiple people. I went to multiple people. You don't understand. When I finally got the diagnosis, I was so angry. I yeah. bet. Because it started off as a grain of sand. Right. And I, you know, finally I, I told them I went to the back the third time. I said, whatever it is, you keep telling me, watch it. Whatever it is, it's bought friends. Yeah. Right. And I could feel it, right? Multiple, you know, granular sort of nodules, and then there, and and it was every now and then would be this kind of this persistent pain, and they were like, "Well, you know, cancer doesn't present with pain." Mm. To your point, mm-hmm. where they tell you it doesn't present, mm-hmm. I was like, "I don't know what this is, but I've never had this before. Right. I'm feeling lumps. I'm right. getting sharp pains. That's you know, right. intermittent. Right. You have to be persistent because right. you know your body. That was yeah. not normal for me, right?" What was the spiritual and mental toll of your breast cancer journey? It was the piece that got, that was never addressed by anyone formerly. Mm. I mean, so they removed the cancer from my body. They reconstructed my breast. Mm -hmm. They sewed up my body. They put me on the meds that I had to be on. There was enormous joint pain going on. It hurt to hold a pencil. Mm. It was just a lot of pain. Please know that that cancer um, patient, once the cancer is excised from their body, the the darkest part of their journey is yet to come. Okay, so know that. Mm. And 
that's the piece that takes a toll on your mental health. So when you're in that solving mode, mm-hmm. that's not where you really are going to be because you're just busy with trying to solve problems, set up appointments. And when all that is done and you're just kind of dealing with the aftermath of toxins. When you're know, out of survival mode. When you're out of survival mode. There's three ways they fortunately treat cancer. They either burn you, cut you, um, or what was the other thing? Um, burn you, cut you, or poison you. Chemo is poison. Burn is radiation. Cut is surgery. Those are three ways. So when you're dealing with the aftermath of those things, it takes a toll on your body. But more importantly, or just as importantly, mm-hmm. is taking a toll on your spirit and your mental health. And there isn't anyone dealing with that. And so I see a gap in care for um, And I think that there's something unique around breast cancer survivors because women, our breasts are so much a part of our identity. Um, You can't underestimate, like, what that does to your head. Yes, you can have these boobs. It's me, my life, or the boobs. You can have the boobs. But still, your identity as a woman um, it's wrapped in that. And there's a lot of other things that go along. Just like hair. Like, I know so many people really struggle over... The potential of losing yes. your hair, losing hair, because it is like a part of your identity. There's a lot going on, yeah. and I was in the best shape of my child. I was fine. Okay, <laughs> when I say I was fine, I was fine. Look, I was on the, I was a real runner then, and I had my little outfits. I was barely had clothes on. I, you know, it's like y'all gonna see me this summer. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna be out here with my whole body just because I know I'm fine. I was really flabbergasted. Right. Like yeah. you said, what? Yeah. I got what? Yeah. Um, so you know your body. Yep. And you got to be. don't be afraid of second opinions. Don't, look, always get a second always. opinion. I think, it's like getting three quotes when you're working on a project. Or a car. Talk to three. Exactly. Yeah. Talk to three people. Never it, just go with the you one. You think that a doctor is like, you know, the authority. Mm-hmm. But. That might not be that doctor's wheelhouse of cancers or working with women. And so, Taylor, you, you were right. There was one mistake I made. I kept going back to the same practice. Mm-hmm. It was a female practice, all female practice mm-hmm. fo- focused on women. Mm-hmm. But I kept going back to the same, even though I should have gone to a completely different practice. Because someone may think doctor. something differently yes. or, yeah. or see it a different way. But when I did mm-hmm. with my primary, I didn't go to him for breast exam. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a different doctor, my primary care physician, the only male on my team. Mm-hmm. He's the one who's like, whoa, immediately. Mm. You know, it, it could be anything. Maybe he was in school a little more recently, and that was on his final test. I don't know. <laughs> right. But, like, just being able to get a diverse perspective. Right. And, like, I like the word team that you use. Yes. Like, making a team. Self-advocacy. Mm-hmm. I was having anxiety attacks, you know, when after being diagnosed, and sure. they were having me go to different doctors and this doctor would know what this doctor was doing and they were not why did you come they send you to me you got to go to this doctor first and it was adding to my anxiety I had a full-blown anxiety attack on the metro coming back from work and I thought I was having a heart attack I told the conductor start the train call 911 okay you know I was dramatic okay Uh, yeah I'm dying (laughs) okay yeah so but finally I had the epiphany you're trying to jump to their schedules. You, you're the CEO of your body. 
And you're the CEO of this team of doctors and providers. That's right. Run it like you would run anything else in your right. business, okay? So then I took control. I told them, I'm the CEO of this situation, mm-hmm. okay, this team, and this is how we're going to run these plays. That's right. I'm not the expert. I'm the expert on me right. and my body right? and, um, and what I need right. and in terms of support and how I want to be supported. And it was that shift in my thinking yeah. that moved me from woe with me and a victim to empowerment mm-hmm. when I saw myself as CEO of my care team. And I just want to encourage people, whoever's listening, that you, you got the power. Mm-hmm. Um, you just need to pop that collar, okay? They're there for you. Yes. Yep. They're there for you. And if you, and sometimes you got to fire people by the way. Yep. Because you may catch a hint that they're like, you know you. what? It's time for you to go. And fire fast is my recommendation. Right. Fire slow, fire fast. Yes. For anyone that is going through this, this being your cancer battle, breast cancer, ask for help. Ask for what you need. Be clear and unapologetic about your boundaries. And indulge in radical self-care. And when I mean by radical self-care, I mean the self-care at a soul level. You can't get through this without it. Um, second opinions, second opinions, second opinions. And no pain or discomfort is too small to be vocalized or acknowledged. And that's a wrap for today's episode. If you like what you heard, Subscribe, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and tune in every Friday for your dose of When Magic Happens. And follow us on Instagram at When Magic Happens Podcast. Don't miss out on the latest and greatest from your When Magic Happens family. Subscribe to our newsletter, The Perfect Companion to This Podcast, at wbez.org slash newsletters. Got something on your mind for the show? Shoot us an email at magic at wbez.org. You can find me, Jennifer Shea Love Long, on Instagram at Being Shea Love. And you can find me, Taylor Coward, on Instagram at Taylor Coward Online. You can find me, Cheryl Jackson, on social media at Cheryl Jackson, and that's Cheryl with an E. When Magic Happens is a production of WBEZ Chicago and part of the NPR Podcast Network. Our truly magical producer is Brianna Garrett. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Tracy Brown is chief content officer. Production assistance by Justin Bull. Engineering by Maria Lopez. See y'all next week. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.